Welcome everybody to the Healing Place Podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock. Really super crazy excited to have Jim's four letter here with me today. And I didn't even ask, did I say your name right? I should have asked beforehand. <laughs> yeah, spore leader. Spore leader, see? I should have asked. All right. Well, welcome. Happy to have you. Oh, look, Max is popping up to say hi. There you go. Hi, buddy. Goodness. <laughs> well, welcome. And I'm so just really thrilled to have you here with me. Well, it's a privilege. Thank you. So talk to us about um, what it is, you know, your goal, your mission. Well, I, I would say that, that first I'm very humbled and grateful to be a part of the movement. Um, I, I, I feel my role is to uh, support schools on the how. You know, we, we, we have enough uh, information out there, I think, nationally that teachers are now saying, okay, I get the why, so tell me how. Right. I feel that that's a, a role that I have to play and um, just extremely grateful that I'm able to do that. I, I, really, I really feel in this movement that it's not a hierarchy movement. It's a movement of, of we're all on this, this journey together and we all have our own gifts and talents that we bring to it. So uh, I always want to acknowledge the talent and gifts that others are bringing and get in the trench and, and, and see where I can help. Yeah. And I so get it because I worked um, for a mental health agency, but in the school systems and working with the kiddos who either, you know, were experiencing ACEs um, and possibly bullying at school or, or so forth. And so they would come visit with me and how many teachers, even after I left the agency would reach out to me and say, I know I have kids in my classroom. Now this was an elementary school. I know I have kids in my classroom who are in traumatic situations currently, or they're struggling, or their their home environment is just just not healthy. And these kids are having such a difficult time focusing and just, and they they were like almost desperate, like what do I do? How can I help them? And And so, yeah, I think what, what you're saying, the how is just such a critical, critical part of that, for sure. Yeah, it seems like whether you go into a district of 4,000 kids or 17,000 kids, the stories are the same. Yeah. The behaviors are getting more and more extreme and teachers are feeling more and more desperate to meet the needs of the kids. Sure. Yes. I, I mean, I looked at some of the stats. I told you I'd read an article on off of your website before, before we started recording. And um, yeah, just, just the stats of how many kids are homeless and how many kids are, you know, I mean, I mean, and I just know like how many kids were coming to school hungry when in the years that I worked in the school systems and how many kids, and it just, I, I think I read and it may have been in that article, or maybe it was something on your website itself that said something about the fact that these kids are coming, um, you know, loaded with these things every single day, just like books in a backpack. And I thought that was really profound because it is like, they're just not bringing to school those books in the backpack. They're bringing so much more. Yeah. So what's, do you have a curriculum that you share? I know you 
you do a lot of speaking engagements, um, you know, in schools and, and elsewhere. Yeah, I, ha I have a book that uh, Heather Forbes, God bless her, helped help me put help me put together. As she said, she helps make it look pretty. <laughs> <laughs> she, she did much more than that, but uh, it's the trauma informed school step by step guide. So it it, it it's the how book, and so um, if I'm not doing conferences or so, I do a lot of training out of the book. Okay. And how do, how do people get a hold of that book? Is it available through your website, through Amazon? Uh, it's on Amazon. And, uh, or they can go to uh, B, BCI. Actually, if they, if, if they go to the traumainformedschool.com, it'll take them to the site. Oh, wonderful. Okay, good. And what is your website? My website's jimsmorleader.com. Okay, okay, awesome. Uh, what else are you doing as far as, so you're doing speechy, speaking, or you said not as many conferences, and then you have the book. Um, how else are you getting word out there about, about trauma-informed? Yeah. Well, I'd say I'm doing quite a few conferences, uh, doing a lot of consulting with districts. So, uh, Districts will bring me in and then uh, I'll be able to assess, kind of going into the different schools, get to know the staff, build a rapport, and, and try to get a, a sense of the culture and, and the challenges that they have. And, and then we, we take it from there and try to come up with a strategic plan to, to start changing the culture. Yes, exactly. Well, talk, talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, for those who are, don't know who you are and where you came from, you were principal at a school in Walla Walla, Washington, correct? Yeah, I was, uh, actually, I started my Washington career uh, here in Walla Walla at a middle school called Garrison Middle School and uh, start, started in special ed then went on to become the assistant principal and then the principal. And so I had spent 22 years at Garrison with every intention to retire. It was my dream job. So uh, going to Lincoln was a little bit of a surprise for me for my career. I wasn't planning on it. And to be honest with you, at, at, at first, I did not, I didn't want to go. I liked where I was at, but um the district had a consultant come in and do a, a assessment on all of our alternative programs in the community, which I wasn't aware that he was doing that, but uh, for some reason he decided to come by Garrison and share his report and, and uh, it was pretty painful. And after reading the report, I kept telling my wife, somebody needs to get over there and take care of those kids. Oh. And, uh, I think she got tired of me interrupting, <laughs> <laughs> interrupting her news. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, uh, finally, she says, "Well, maybe it ought to be you." And I, I said, "Well, no. I'm my goal is to retire in 30 years at Garrison, but uh, I'm a person of faith and felt called to go, and uh, that knot wouldn't let up. And so far, finally, I went to the district and asked to be transferred." 
the school wasn't called Lincoln, it was called uh, Payne Alternative High School. And uh, they were definitely having some pretty serious challenges. It was uh, in that report, the kids were saying that they did not feel safe coming to school. Um, they felt like they were labeled the bad kids. The teachers reflected the very same feelings. They did not feel safe coming to school. They felt like they were labeled the bad teachers. Uh, in fact, a, a community comment that came out of that report was qu quite hurtful in that it was we should, that, that school should be shut down all we're, we're wasting our tax dollars. Um, we're just babysitting a bunch of druggies and, and uh, gangbangers. And so uh, felt like, I felt like I had to go and be honest with you, once I got there, I didn't know if I was gonna make it. It was the most out of control environment I'd ever stepped into. And uh, I'd say it took, took probably a year to, to really get to the point where we were getting very good results from kids about their safety, but it took another another year before we I, I think before we really turned it around where kids were looking at it as a place of learning not not just a safe place to show up right right which school you know for a lot of these kids is feels safer than home uh, right. yeah so and so yeah, what I, I, I went over there as a traditional disciplinarian I mean two-thirds of my career were or uh, even though I had strong student relationships, I was traditional in how I disciplined. So uh, half my time at Lincoln was traditional and half of my time was as a trauma-informed. Okay. Yeah, I talked about, uh, the article I read was about, you know, the, the suspension and out-of-school suspension versus the in-school suspension. Um, and I loved, I loved the idea of that transition as well. Um, giving kids a, almost a safe space for them to, um, oh, I'm so, I so lost the word, you know, decompress and, you know, contemplate the, where their anger was coming from and their outbursts and so forth. Yeah, that, that was the biggest uh, transition in learning for us was when we um, quit telling them what they were doing wrong and giving them their consequence in the moment to taking a step back and asking them what was going on and then responding. And it was just, you know, it was back 2010, 11 that we implemented this. So there wasn't a whole lot out there. It was pretty, pretty much theory. We right. Kind of had to figure it out, but uh, we did learn that we, we needed to allow these kids time to settle down. Um, and, uh, just that little flip in our approach, the kids started talking to us immediately. We saw results immediately. And, um, and then when it came to the consequence, at the end of the conversation, they were expecting that they knew there should be, something should happen. And we kept that in school as much as we possibly could. Yeah, well, and again, school is just going to be, I mean, from, from my understanding, it was just, you know, these, these home environments can be, um, you know, 
just a place to go, no parental supervision in a lot of cases, um, you know, just go and, and veg out in front of a television and a suspension where if you keep them in school, um, they can do their homework and they can, um, you know, talk to somebody, they can try to work through it, much healthier approach. Yeah, the, the, the humorous part is when we, when we first started this approach is that um, the kids were, were begging me to suspend them and not keep them in school. <laughs> so they could go home and, yeah, and watch I, Netflix. Why, just what you said. They, they said, well, I don't, it's boring. I'll have to do my schoolwork. So, <laughs> right. So uh, we knew we were on the right track when they were giving us that kind of feedback. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So are there any myths or facts that you want to clarify um, regarding, you know, trauma-informed care or even in the, you know, approaches to school in, in children? I don't know if it's a myth. I, I think there's some real misunderstanding around trauma. I mean, there's been trainings done throughout the country, throughout the different states, throughout the different school districts. I would say, um, one of the misunderstandings that, 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 that I think is consistent is uh, for some reason, some folks get the idea that we have to treat our kids differently, that we, we, we treat the trauma kids one way and we have to treat the other kids another way. Um, that's something that I, I, I find common. Uh, I find it common that because they're trauma, uh, we can't hold them accountable. Uh, I always say if, if we're not holding them accountable, we're failing them. And uh, so I, I would say that the, the, the difference that I see and I guess that I focus in on is that trauma, trauma isn't something we do. You know, and, and sometimes that's what happens. It becomes this trauma approach is a checklist kind of it's um, you know you can do yeah. trauma you can do pbis you can do i mean it, it, it's broken down like that so when things are a checklist it's very easy to say well we tried that and it didn't work i believe trauma informed it becomes who i am as a person so it, it's a mind shift that happens within myself and therefore my understanding is is that if I I have the the opportunity to be a caring adult for these children and our students and that possibly can be the caring adult that changes a life path. Yes. And so if we come together as a school with that understanding, we have a common understanding and a common language, then we're wanting our discussions and our conversations on is how many of us can we wrap around this one student? So if one adult can make the change, why not put as many adults around these kids as we possibly can to create the potential or the opportunity to hopefully change their life path and bring hope and healing to them, which yeah. every which every kid deserves. Absolutely. What a beautiful way to look at it. Yes. Really cool. Well, two of the two things popped into my head and, and one was, um, and now they're both gone out of my head, menopause brain. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. 
<laughs> I'm like, oh, and they're gone. Um, yeah, oh, the one was, um, you know, again, being in the school systems, children, in, at least in my opinion, they crave discipline, they crave boundaries, they need to know what's expected of them and to know that yes, there are consequences for their actions and that provides a sense of security in knowing where their boundaries are instead of just no clue what, what the expectations are. And so yes, having consequences for their actions, no matter a child who's going through trauma or not, I think creates that sense of that sense of um, security. I I truly believe that relationships actually start with accountability. It's how we frame it. You know, we yeah. have to we have to we have to interpret what accountability means to us. If it means punishment, then we're just going to keep getting the same old same old. But if accountability means to teach, to discipline, to teach, then I'm going to start seeing that behavior improve. And why would I not take the same approach to discipline that I would to reading or writing or math? I, I want that child to improve. Right. In that area. So uh, I just think it's a great opportunity for us if we can make the mind shift that we're going to help these kids Yes, for sure. And I love the idea. That was the second thing. It popped back in. <laughs> Is the idea that I, I, I just want us to be a trauma-informed world, a trauma-informed communities where we're all just respectful. And to me, it's just a matter of, it's a level of respect. We're all respectful of one another's stories and histories. And, um, you know, everybody's gone, gone through something or going through something. And if we can just honor that in others, um, you know, I've told this on the podcast before, but for such a long time, I, you know, I kept my, carried the burden of my traumas around with me and I, mine surfaced as panic attacks and, you know, I didn't, nobody knew why they were happening because again, I had the dark secrets. And I remember walking across a parking lot at Meyer grocery store um, and I, was having an overwhelming panic attack of like feeling I was going to fall off the earth, which is a crazy, you know, phobia, but I couldn't get myself from the car to the door. And I felt very frozen, you know, that fight flight freeze. And I was in the frozen state and a person walked up and up to me and said, are you okay? And in that moment I said, no, <laughs> no, I'm having a panic attack and I'm really struggling. I just need to get into the store and, they took me by the arm and walked me in. And I just think there's such a beauty in honoring. I honored my own story, but I, in my own trauma, but I, that person, by putting it out there, they honored it as well. Um, and just a beautiful example of just, yeah, just giving honor to it. So again, I'd love it if the world was like that and the work you're doing is certainly beautiful for these kids. Well, if, if we look at, at this approach, it's, best practice for everybody it's not and it keeps us from separating out who's who and that and, and to me that's very reckless territory for us to be on because we don't know right well compliant student in the class could be the most traumatized so if we're yes. everybody with best practice 
I don't know of a child or an adult that does not benefit from a caring adult relationship. Yes, and that it, I love that you said that because I've had that same conversation with teachers before. And I said, you know, here I was going through horrific trauma as a child from sexual abuse, physical abuse, bullying, just horrific trauma. And I was that perfect little girl that was quiet, got my good grades. No one knew what was happening. I didn't have the red flags until I hit about fifth grade, 10 years old. Um, and then some stuff started to surface. But yeah, and so I said, you know, the, 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 the kids that seem like everything's together, they could absolutely be having stuff going on. Sure, it doesn't have to be kid, only the kids that are acting out. Yeah, and that was kind of eye-opener moment for some, of the, some teachers to be like, Oh my gosh, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I heard two speakers just in the last uh, week that I was out on the road at two different places. One was a doctor who shared that she had six aces. Mm -hmm. And her approach was she used the word in spite of. I, I had never heard that before. But when she looked around herself, she was going to succeed despite what had happened to her, or even to the point, you might have been raised in a great home, but I'm gonna do just as well despite that. And it was a very, very interesting the way she put that into perspective. And then another, another uh, panel member that, that I participated with, I, I loved her. She shared that with a very high ACE score that her ACEs, she says, are wounds that she would not give up. <laughs> she says, my wound is healed, but I wouldn't want it to go away because of the learning that I gained from it. And uh, that was a, that was another very powerful. I had never heard anybody explain it that way. Yes. It was very powerful. And I have had more people who have talked to me about their trauma say that to me than not, that they, and I, I say I found the gifts within my chaos and that if I could go back and change things, I don't know if I would because I wouldn't be where I am and who I am. Um, and the fact that I did survive taught me about my strength. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people do have that once they've, once they've found themselves on the healing journey. And that's the, that's the important part. And so, yeah, so like getting kids, um, you know, hoping to get them to them early and empower them um, so that they can get on that healing path early can absolutely make all the difference in the world for them to see the gifts within their chaos. And, and, you know, like she said, um, yeah, for sure. To find those strengths. Yeah. So what, what resources have you utilized along the way? Um, anything that really stands out for you? I, I, I would say the, 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 greatest understanding that trauma isn't something I do, but it's, it, it, it's who I am. And, and since it, I have seen now that I'm outside the system working in, it 
it has helped me actually to create more of a holistic view and it's com it's completing the other half of the picture so when it's who who you are as a person then i see that you practice that no matter where you're at whether you're getting where you're getting into the taxi to go to the hotel you want the taxi driver to know that you appreciate them and, and you appreciate the hard work that they're doing or the person that brings you your meal. Um, so I, I, I think what it's done for me is it's just helped me to be very, very conscious that no matter who I have contact with, I want to make it a positive interaction. And where I used to be very, very, <laughs> Um, I could get triggered. I could trigger very easily um, because of my past, and I, I, extremely impatient. Uh, I've seen those things really mellow out. I, I don't. Um, it, it's hard to believe that I don't get impatient like I used to, but <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something about when you. I, I, if I get start to get impatient, I, I, I stop myself and I just tell myself that person may have something going on in their life and and uh, I wish them well and, and let it go. I love that. And I do the same thing. I even put that in, in one of the chapters of my book. I, like I put exercises and I said, uh, I forget which, which exercise it was, but part of the exercise is, you know, coming to a red light, like driving. <laughs> I find my, my impatience level was usually pretty high while driving. But now if I'm behind someone and the light turns green, mm -hmm. instead of laying on the horn and being like, oh, you know, move, <laughs> I'll now be like, you know what? Maybe their head down and they shouldn't be texting while driving, but maybe their mother is in the hospital and they just got a text that they need to get to the hospital right away. And they've been waiting for something important. Maybe, you know, they're, they've just had a really rough day. They're super tired and they just shut their eyes for just a second. Like, I mean, there's just, and so I just tell, I just remind myself, you don't know what's going on in that person's life. Um, and then just, just hold on a second. And then the light, you know, every now and then I'll give a little like, Hey, light's green, <laughs> a little beep, beep, <laughs> but not lay on the horn. So yeah. Um, and again, if we could all just be that way and, and just be such a more, I want to say trauma informed, just a more, I don't know, just a more respectful, informed, um, yeah, approach to others. So yeah, when you just talked about resources, you are certainly a resource because there was a documentary made about your journey, correct? Yes, I always like to say it made about our journey because I always the journey could never have happened if I if I didn't have a staff that joined in and wrapped their arms together to form the circle around our kids. So right, right. The documentary is a representation of, of a bigger picture than one person. Right, and the documentary is Paper Tigers. Yes. Okay. All right. How do people get a hold of that? Uh, Paper Tigers now is on. Amazon. So I think for 14 bucks or so, you can actually purchase the DVD. Wonderful. 
And do, now do schools show that? I mean, who's, who's the audience for that? It's a, this is a journey I could never have predicted, but the, it's just going, it just keeps getting stronger. You, you think, I guess if you compare it to a Hollywood film, you know, they come out, they, they hit hard, they're, you know, they peak and then they fade and go into DVD land, but Paper Tigers isn't fading. It keeps, keeps getting stronger. And so, um, uh, it's being used a lot through the schools. It's still being used for uh, uh, for communities that want to become trauma informed uh, to kind of kind of have that see that perspective. Uh, I, I, I still pre-screen it when I go to conferences, and the con the conversations have just gone so much deeper. Uh, and then. Uh, uh, it's sweeping Europe by storm right now. Yay, that's really cool. And as you know, I mean, that's helped me to understand, understand that trauma is an it's international problem. Right. It's not, it's not just a U.S. problem. And so a lot of people get, that have contacted me have, have gained a lot. Yes. They're internationally seen it, and they say the same thing. They see their kids in it. They see the struggles of their own students uh, through the through the film, and that that's so. I thought I think Jamie Redford was so brilliant at it was taking a very complex concept, putting it to film. And my my appreciation is that it's not it's Lincoln is I mean it's the Lincoln story, but he created the lens to. To, to look at your own kids when you watch it. Right. So the, to me, that's the power of the film is that you don't, you, you don't just isolate it to Lincoln, but, but you watch it and you, you go, wow, that's our kids. And it's, it's stimulating so much conversation, Yeah. which is what was needed. I mean, you know, the conversation is what is needed, but yes, every school and like i said i was working in elementary schools and you know just seeing it and seeing the struggles of these kiddos and seeing the you know the frustrations of the teachers and the staff and administration you know i don't you know the principal and i used to sit down and she was just like i don't know what to do to help this kid and um yeah yeah powerful Okay, anything else that you uh, want to address before we close out? Okay. I, I appreciate your questions. I think we've covered it pretty well. I, I would say uh, we've come a long ways in the four years that, that I've been out anyway. And I would say we have a long ways to go. So there's a lot of work that still needs to be done trying to break this traditional mindset is very challenging. Yes, a lot of kids, a lot of kids still hurting and a lot of, yes, uh, yeah. systems figuring out how to, how to help that. Yeah, yeah. That, our, 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 our kids hurting, we would hope that that would be our motivation for our, our, our mind shift. But right. What I'm learning is, is that our, as adults, we're dealing with 
a lot of our own stuff, which gets in the way of us being able to make that transition. And uh, haven't figured out the magic bullet yet, but uh, right. Well, I think Aces, um, the Aces community. I'm I'm involved with Aces Connection, and um, you know, in that community, a lot of what the message is, is is you heal the adults and you help parents heal, or you help you know, that. Then it, it's almost like a trickle down thing. That then they start to understand the impact that their their Aces are having on their children and their interactions with children. Um, and so I think as the world, again, just becomes more and more trauma-informed, we're going to understand. Um, you know, I certainly remember having a conversation with my kids. My, my older two are 25 and 23, and, and sitting them down because I didn't become ACEs informed and, you know, get onto the healing journey until, you know, 2013, so six years ago. And sitting down with my boys and saying, oh, my gosh. I am so sorry. Like, I know I screwed up as a parent in some ways, but there were some things that I just was so lost in my own internal battle um, in trying to just survive that I, I, I hurt my kids in the process. And so we've had some really powerful, deep conversations, but it was because I became aware of my ACEs and its impact. So, yeah. Interesting that you share that. After I became trauma informed, I took each one. I have three daughters, and I took each one of them out for a date and a dinner date, and uh, felt that I needed to apologize mm -hmm. for anything that I had done that might have caused them pain while they were growing up. My, they were, they were all out of the house by that that time, but uh, yeah, I, I had that same need. Yes. And the boys, you know, they were very gracious. Mom, it's okay. We know we get, I mean, they've been to like, you know, some of my speeches and presentations and they, they now know the journey, but yeah, you know, when they were kids, they didn't understand, you know, why I was struggling so much. So for sure. Um, I have one more question I want to ask. And I, I love asking this question of all my guests only because one, I make, I make little mini videos out of it for YouTube, but I just, I just found the, find the answer so inspiring. So if you could meet anyone in the world, dead or alive, to help you with your continued mission and journey, who would it be? Uh, <clears throat> it's okay to pause during this. Podcast. Sure, sure. And most people do. They're like, wow, that's a good question. <laughs> You know, I'm going to answer it, and it may be different than what you've had before. Um, I had the, I've had the opera. He, he's he's been my mentor for several years, and um, I haven't shared with a lot of people. But I, but I crashed uh, after the film was made that year. Emotionally, I just crashed, and. Uh, was not able to go back to Lincoln and I'm so incredibly grateful that, that he was in my life. Um, he lives six hours away. Um, uh, and I always share that I, I received my healing in Bend, Oregon. That's, uh, that's where he lives. And that, I spent a lot of time that 
first year out. Um, just being um, being loved on and being taught. He, he just taught me so much through the pain that I was going through. And I mean, I'm eternally grateful for that. And it's allowed me to to be more sensitive. And when I come across people in this journey who have crashed, it's given me, um, it's prepared me to hopefully be a beacon of light in their life to, to share what, what I've learned. So his name's Doug Barham. So uh, that's Beautiful. Who, 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 who comes to mind and uh, I share what Doug had helped teach me during that time with lots of people. Well, beautiful answer. And thank you for that. Thank you very much. Um, and I love that you said a beacon of light. I did a, um, I was invited to um, audition for TEDx Cincinnati and I went yesterday. And at the end of my audition, we had three minutes, you know, to talk about what it is and, and the theme is uh, extraordinary so i had to talk about you know the extraordinary and i said um i used the words i said is where we are all that shining light of hope you know that beacon of hope and as we come together that light just shines that much brighter so you know having you on here with me you know together we can just shine that bright that light that much brighter and um to me it's just such a beautiful thing and again i thank you for shining your light so beautifully and um yeah and doing the work and, and your staff and and anyone that's that's on your journey with you uh, i thank them it's it's been incredible i i was going to share with you uh that uh jane stevens played a played a, a, a huge role she's she's always been the, been a hero of mine but uh she's the one that challenged me to write the book um and she was one that i went to when i was in my healing process i flew down to san uh sacramento to see her and, and that was very enlightening so yes and jane stevens is uh yeah <laughs> she's uh was she the founder or she's, I mean, like very, of, of ACES Connection, correct? She started it, yeah. She started the whole thing. Okay, I didn't know if she was like a co-founder, but yeah, I know, um, I know she's very, very big part of the ACES, um, you know, enlightenment that's happening. So, beautiful. All right, well, again, how can people get a hold of you? Uh if they if they go through the website jimsporterconsulting.com uh actually they, they my assistant picks up those emails okay and then if uh he'll help put us together you know for a phone conference or what have you um wonderful are a little overwhelming so right <laughs> i, I kind of need that assistant so uh and, and he does an incredible job and, and and uh, I always joke that people fall in love with Sergio and I show up and they want to know where Sergio's at. 
<laughs> Very good. Well, again, thank you for joining me today. It's been an honor and uh, so very much appreciate all that you do. And, and uh, yeah, you are the, you are the trauma informed guru as far as I'm concerned. So I think it's fantastic. Well, thank you, Terry. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Everyone until next time, remember, be gentle with yourselves. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you.